Welcome to the PubCast, your inside look at electronic publishing. From ebooks to websites to podcasts and more, join us as we interview the professionals on the cutting edge of publishing. Hello, everyone. I'm Desiree DeMarco for the PubCast, and today I'm joined by Laura Brady, uh, the director of cross media for Anansi Press. So, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Good. Um, so I figured we could just kind of dive right in. Great. I saw on your LinkedIn that you attended the University of Windsor in Ontario, Canada, and the University of Notre Dame studying history. So I'm wondering how exactly the interest in uh, EPUB came and how exactly you got into the world of electronic publishing. Um, well, <laughs> it's a long um, so I was studying history. Um, I was doing a PhD at the University of Notre Dame, and I got involved in a project to digitize this gigantic 130-volume um, piece of history documents called the Patrologia Latina, and this was in 1992. So through the course of working on that project, I learned SGML. Um, and when I moved to Toronto in 1994 and was looking for a job, I found a job as a typesetter, believe it or not, using a Unix system and marking up content using SGML. So it was a really early, um, it was a very early digital typesetting system that was capable of going to print and digital at the same time. So this was 1994, I remember. They actually thought it would be useful for putting content onto CD-ROMs. Um, but they were thinking it was a forward thinking program. And the reason I got hired is because I knew SGML, which is an ancestor of HTML in case you don't know. Uh, and it's called, it stands for standard generalized markup language. It's a markup language that's very similar to HTML. So I had that skill set and got hired for that job. Um, and then started a long career in trade publishing in Canada. So I have been working in um, trade publishing in Toronto since about 1994 and started on this SGML-based typesetting system. It was soon abandoned for a Quark-based work workflow, Quark-Mac-based workflow, so really doing um, typesetting in the standard way that we think of, doing page layouts, not um, marking up with a sense of structure in mind, which is what we were doing before. But that sort of that early beginning sort of took me full circle, so that when ebooks became a going concern um, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, I was sort of tooled up and ready for the shift, um, and that's where I went from there. So I started out studying medieval history, which is you know not unrelated to book typesetting, but not directly related. Uh, but that's how I got here—a bit of a winding road. Yeah. Um... So from there, did you start Brady Type yourself? Um, I, I did. So um, I had been freelancing since about uh, the year 2000, um, mostly doing typesetting, layout, and design. So uh, book typesetting and layout. And um, sort of pivoted to ebooks in the early 2000s and focused almost entirely on ebooks from there. So Brady Type is actually short for Brady Typesetting and Design. Um, and I was focused on book layout, book typesetting, and book design. And ebooks were a natural next step uh, um, from there. And once I started in ebooks, there was no looking back. It's much more interesting. There's a lot more variables. It's much more challenging for sure. Um, yeah. 
Cool. Um, so I saw on the Brady Type website that you uh, draw on old school typesetting and book layout experience in order to bring the art of book design and typesetting to the rigorous code requirements of ebooks. So I was just wondering if you could expand on like what exactly that means. So there is a school of thought in the ebook world that says that ebooks need to look like a um, a document you're reading in Internet Explorer circa 1995. So, you know, unformatted, undesigned, sort of really bare bones looking. And my, the way I approach ebooks is to not be wedded to the print design. The print design isn't going to get in the way of what I'm doing when I'm making ebooks, but um, it's not, it's not irrelevant. So I will embed fonts and I will use the typography skill set and knowledge that I have and bring it to eBooks so that they look as good as they can, but they're still as flexible and agile as the end user needs them to be. So if the end user needs to change the fonts, they can change the fonts. If they need to make the type size bigger, they can. They, they have the freedom to do that. They can do whatever they want with those eBooks because ultimately if they can't read them, then my job has been a complete failure. Right. Um, so that kind of leads me into my next question about your partnership with Kids Can Press on the creation of the e-version for Virginia Woolf, um, written by Kyle McClear and illustrated by Isabel Arsenal, um, which resulted in a digital book award for you. So can you speak more on that collaboration and why you believe it was so successful? Sure, sure. Um, well, Virginia Woolf is a children's picture book that I made into a fixed layout ebook. Um, I hand coded it. Uh, the book is mostly hand, um, it's using hand lettering, but I coded it so that it would be accessible to people who can't see. Um, and I, and we built it so that there was a read aloud so that there is sort of an extra layer of functionality for children reading the book. It is the prettiest book. It's very nice. It's actually about depression and about how Virginia Woolf was depressed and how her sister helped her with that. Um, it's, really lovely and the color tones from spread to spread shift and so I use those color tone shifts to um, add extra dimensions to the ebook so for example in the kindle version of that ebook the pop-ups have the color tone background so that it's really clear what's happening and how mood shifts through the book so we used some of the uh, affordances of ebooks to make it an even more robust reading experience and that uh, that got us a digital book award, which was really nice. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, cool. Good. But besides ebook development, um, Brady Type offers other services like quality assurance, optical character recognition, book design, and of course, typesetting. So uh, I was just wondering if you could briefly talk about what goes into each of these services, like the skills and technology needed, um, and maybe which was your favorite to work on and why. So, um, so I am a typesetter from way back and that is really where my love is. Book design is something I can do, but that's not actually what I'm best at. I'll be frank. I would rather leave design to the designers. I'm really about, and and what makes the segue into eBooks really makes sense in this regard is that I am about the page and the holisticness of the page and how um, my job is to make my work invisible. So my job on ebooks is to make that coding and the thing that happens under the hood as invisible as possible so that the reading experience is seamless. 
I'm not the least bit interested in inserting myself in other people's reading experiences. I want it to be customizable at their end. And so when I typeset a book, it's because I want the pages to be really lovely and pleasing and invisible so that, so that the typesetting doesn't interrupt the reading experience in any way. Um, and then the same thing is true of ebooks. And then the quality assurance and the optical character recognition piece of the puzzle is this. Um, I have done a lot of work on publishers' backlists, and sometimes that involves scanning and re sort of uh, reviving old backlist projects. So OCR recognition is where that comes into play. And quality assurance, I've actually done a lot of work in QA on ebooks. I developed a course for Humber College on how to QA ebooks that was aimed at editors because what I find is that if editors can avoid ebooks and paying attention to ebooks, they will. And that the best publishing teams are teams that actually read ebooks and understand ebooks and understand the book in all of its many formats and how that will <clears throat> how that will sort of present at the end user level. So that read read how the reading experience looks for readers from all kinds of perspectives: print books, um, PDFs, audiobooks, and ebooks. So every single format, if that makes any sense. No, it does. Um, so I guess my next question is, you told me that you've recently left Brady Type and taken on the current position at Anansi Press. Um, so I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind maybe talking about why you decided to leave Brady Type. Sure. Um, so actually today marks a year that I've been at House of Anansi Press. <clears throat> um, and I took the job partly because the freelance market in ebook development was drying up. I think that's, and I think that reflects, um, the fact that publishers in general don't care a lot about ebooks, uh, which I find really upsetting, and uh, you know, it, uh, I, it's too bad. I I really wish that they cared more about their books and all of their various formats. But also because I was ready for a bit of a new challenge. Um, so taking on the this this position, director of cross media, means that I'm in charge of um, producing books in all of their formats. So. So every day at seven o'clock, I get a shipping report that tells me where in the world my books are and which containers they're on and what ship, where my ships are. I also get reports from CoreSource about which eBooks are up on sale, which ones are doing well, um, which ones need attention. And I have to pay attention to the audiobook market. So understanding how audiobooks are made, how they're distributed, um, how they're positioned in the marketplace, which is quite complex. Uh, um, so I'm in charge of all of the books in all of their various facets. Um, now, all of the books for a small indie Canadian publisher, so make it sound bigger than it is, possibly, but, but still. Um, and House of Nancy Press does really nice work. They make very nice print books, and they take their job as um, a curator of Canlet very seriously. Um, so they translate a lot of books from French into English, uh, which is, I think, an important mandate of any Canadian publisher. They take digital publishing very seriously. So I'm giving carte blanche to work on accessibility and um, fixing up accessibility in our own backlist and working on accessibility in broader ways, like my role in ebook craft or giving accessibility workshops and that kind of thing. They... Um, they're very supportive of all that ex sort of extracurricular work that I do as well. 
And, but uh, I mean, ultimately the reason I came here is because I knew them. I had been working for them for a long time and they're really, uh, excellent group of people and really fun to work with. Hmm. Um, so what exactly does your position as the director of cross media entail, like on a day-to-day basis? Um, for example, like, do you have any specific IT skills or technologies that are necessary to accomplish your job? Yeah. So, um, so this morning I had to come in and troubleshoot an ebook that was in the marketplace uh, that had validation errors. So that happened. And then I had to pull another ebook back because the sample that was out in the marketplace was too big and I had to edit that change the subtitle and put that back out. And then I had to liaise with our audiobook producer to make sure that another project was on time. Um, yesterday, I spent almost my entire day trying to fit, fix fonts in a fixed layout ebook that weren't working. Um, it took me almost all day to figure out that one of the fonts was named with a plus symbol in its name and, and wouldn't work in the ebook. And I just had to rename the font to make everything work, but that took eight hours. <laughs> Um, and so today I have a meeting this afternoon about how to produce a cookbook and what kind of print finishes we're going to use to really make this stand out in the marketplace. So it is the full range of things that I'm doing on a daily basis. I would say that I need to be technically sophisticated and understand the various formats and be able to jump in and do really low level work at a moment's notice, which I'm very happy to do. I also need to understand accessibility and what that means in the marketplace. I need to understand the marketplace to some extent because distributing ebooks and audiobooks into the marketplace involves, uh, I mean, no fewer than I think 20 vendors to whom we push our content. So I need to understand what the vendors want and what their peculiarities are, how to fix them, who to communicate with. I was just looking at my FTP software this morning and it has so many keychains in it that I couldn't find the one I'm looking for because I upload content to so many different vendors on a regular basis. Um, House of a Nancy Press has a children's book wing called, or children's book imprint called Groundwood Books. And we, they do picture books almost exclusively. So making eBooks and audiobooks out of that content presents um, very unique challenges that require sophisticated knowledge of the marketplace and technologies and ability to troubleshoot at a high level and at a very low level, like my font uh, adventure yesterday. <laughs> well, sounds like a lot. <laughs> it can be, but it's really fun. You're, yeah. never, bo- you're never bored. <laughs> oh, no, I'm probably not. I've always wanted to work in uh, children's books, so this is very helpful for me. Um, it's also, it's really nice to work on print books, too. I'm a real digital book um, booster, but it's really nice to get my hands dirty in print books as well. I, I won't deny that. I love books in all their formats. Yeah. Um, so I guess I was just wondering before we move on from Anansi, uh, if you're working on any projects that you can share um, that you're excited about or projects in the past that you really loved working on. Hmm. What a good question. So at present, I'm working on a large backlist conversion of picture books. So up until very recently, Groundwood Books didn't actually make ebooks of their picture books. Now, this is partly because of um, a lack of knowledge, but it's also a little bit of disdain for the fixed layout format, which I must admit that I share. But fixed layout is the format that really only makes sense for children's picture books and graphic novels. So 
I worked with sales to get a list of 100 titles that do really well, and we are currently engaged in a massive backlist conversion. It will probably take a year or so to finish because there are a lot of titles and they all have unique challenges, um, i.e. fonts, um, but that's underway. Um, also have my hands dirty in um, creating new audiobooks and figuring out what audiobook content makes sense to put into the marketplace because audiobooks are very expensive to produce. They're not, they're not like ebooks at all in terms of um, technical sophistication. They require a whole different skill set and they, they, they are expensive to make. So, so making the decisions about what should get produced uh, and when is complicated. Yeah. And then my long-term project, which I hoped I would have had some, um, progress on by this point in time is looking at the backlist. We have a massive backlist of about a thousand books and I want to make sure that they're made as well as possible with accessibility in mind. Um, and that's a big project that will take some time to, uh, pull off. I'm hoping to hire an intern actually to help with that. Um, and we pay our interns and the internship would be a year long. It'd be a good gig, I think, but it requires a lot of fussy knowledge about how accessibility works and about how screen readers work and um, how to remediate HTML that was made 10 years ago. Wow. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Never ask me how it's going because so far it's not going. <laughs> I'm sure it'll pick up soon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so one other question I have about uh, some of the things you're involved in. I found that um, you, I don't know if you still are, but were at least one of the primary planners behind eBookCraft, yep. um, which is obviously, as you know, the premier industry event for eBook producers in North America. So just, I was wondering if for people that don't know about it, if you can uh, expand on what exactly that is and your role in planning it and all mm -hmm. that. Sure. So eBookCraft, actually, we just had our fifth year. Um, it, it's a conference that happens every March. Um, it's adjacent to another conference called Tech Forum. They're all put on by an organization called BookNet Canada. Um, and I have had a, a hand in the planning of it every year so far. Um, I use my uh, extracurricular time, my after hours time to help plan it because I find it so much fun. Um, so it's a uh, day of workshops and then a day of sort of bigger picture main day talks about digital publishing um, in kind of all its permutations. So we talk about accessibility, we talk about the specification and work on the specification. We talk about design and big picture things about ebooks, like how they're changing, um, how they're moving, where they're positioned in the marketplace, um, all of that sort of thing. The idea behind the conference was that it should be a really a couple of days of really focused content for people who really get their hands dirty in ebooks. So people whose jobs involved ebooks, um, like planning for them or executing them, but mostly people who get their hands dirty in the code. That's really who we're aiming this this conference at. Um, and it's gotten a little bit bigger every year. I'm pretty proud of it. It is, uh, I think, a pretty good conference. In fact, we often have people from Emerson coming to talk. Iris Fibres and John Rodsvilla have spoken. Oh, wow. Um, and Chris Vetter, who is, um, she is 
a graduate of the Emerson program. She has, she spoke this year on audiobooks. So there's lots of people from Emerson that come to the conference and speak and have a hand in what we do, which is really nice. It's a, we've, it's a, a nice closing of the circle with this interview. <clears throat> the main thing is that we really try to get the industry experts on the various topics to come. So this year we had people from Daisy come, for example, and give a three-hour workshop on accessibility and what it means in a really hands-on way in your eBooks. And Daisy is the premier, it is the uh, global leader in terms of accessibility in eBooks. So, you know, uh, go big or go home. That's really one of the ways we think about these things at eBookcraft. Um, we opened to submissions in late August, early September, so anybody can send in a proposal. We also often think about people who would make sense to talk at ebook and then go after them. It is the nice thing about ebook craft is this we operate off a government grant. We're not required to make money. In fact, we're not, we, we don't make money. We never have and we're not supposed to. We don't pay our speakers, but we do cover their expenses. Um, and we don't allow. Uh, vendors. So we don't have anyone trying to sell you products. There's no one on, on stage who's trying to sell you something. There's no one in the lobby who's trying to catch your eye and try to sell you something. It's very different from a lot of other conferences that require vendor support in order to operate. Because we operate off of a government grant, it's a little bit different. And it's, um, it's pretty sweet, I'll be honest. It's a really nice gig because we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, well, it sounds awesome. Yeah. It's great. You should come. <laughs> so is it open to public or do you have to be kind of like working already Any, in the industry? Anybody can come. I, I mean, if you're not working in the industry, you might find it really tedious and boring, but anybody can come. It's open. We have um, student registration rates as well. Uh, and we also have uh, what I think should be of great appeal to students of the of the business. We have a coding contest called So You Think You Can Code. It's actually a design contest. We give you an ebook and you have to fix it up and make it look good. Um, uh, and the prize is $2,500, which is fairly fantastic. Now, $2,500 Canadian dollars, I will be fair, which is less than $2,500 US dollars. But the prize money is donated by Kobo. And then there are a couple of ancillary prizes, like um, a year subscription to the Creative Cloud um, and a three month subscription to Flight Deck, which is the ebook. Um, validation software that gives you a full report on how your ebook does with the various vendors and that kind of thing. So, um, pretty good prizes, I gotta say. Yeah, I might have to uh, tell my professor about this, see if I can do like a, a little announcement in class. That's awesome. Yeah, we announced the prize for this year's contest this afternoon, actually. It's going to be announced live on the BookNet Canada Facebook page. Um, the last, so this is the fourth year for So You Think You Can Code. And the first three years, the winners all came from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in Boston. So I think they have a pretty good ebook team there. Now, I'm not going to tell you who won this year. I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. You have to tune in if you want to hear about it. But we're hoping to break that Houghton Mifflin Harcourt uh, lockdown on the prizes, but we'll see. Um, okay, so just a couple of final thoughts before I let you go. Um, now, these might not exactly be answerable questions, but I figured I'd ask anyway and get your thoughts on them. Um, so I was just wondering how you think your current work is helping to change the industry and where you believe the industry is going in the next few years. 
So I have a couple of answers to that. Um, I do a lot of work in the accessibility space. So um, I've been working hard on the engineers who create InDesign to make a better product out of InDesign, better EPUB export so that it's more accessible and that it meets accessibility guidelines at a, a kind of minimum viable product way. I also put a lot of work into workshops, training, uh, and talking with various publishers to make better ebooks, particularly with accessibility in mind. Um, this uh, uh, takes up a great portion of my brain, I have to admit, and I spend a lot of time thinking about it and talking to other people about how to make better ebooks. Um, and I work with organizations like um, NELS, they're the National Network for Equitable Library Services. They, um, they make ebooks for people with print disabilities, and they currently can't distribute any ebooks that are made out of InDesign to people with print disabilities because they just won't work well with screen readers. And I consider that a huge problem. So I'm trying to tackle that in a number of ways through education, through talking it up, um, through giving talks about making the business case for publishing with accessibility in mind from the beginning and working with groups to do things like get certification projects in place so that you can get your ebook certified accessible um, and capitalize on those kinds of sales and marketing that come along with paying attention to accessibility. Um, digital, digital publishing is uh, democratic by nature because uh, anybody can read it in theory. In fact, it's not as democratic as it should be. There's a gigantic swath of the population who are um, shut out from your, e your digital publishing because you're not paying attention to accessibility. So most of the eBooks that I've seen in the last 10 years have no image descriptions, for example. And so I spend a lot of time on education and talking up the idea of making eBooks more accessible. At present, I don't think anyone's doing a really good job in that regard. And then where do I see the industry going in the next few years? Goodness, I don't know. I, I'm sure Amazon will continue to be a major player, so we have to figure out how to play nice with them. Um, but I also think audiobooks are going to continue to be a major concern. Um, Ebook sales are diminishing from what I understand, and so what, what will fill that space is an open question for me. I guess, I guess the idea for someone in my position who thinks about how to produce books is to just keep the content as agile as possible so that it's ready for whatever comes next. Um, so making content that meets accessibility guidelines will mean that it's clean and ready for whatever next great technological innovation comes along. Does that answer that question? Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay, okay good. All right. Well, I think we covered everything. Um, so unless you have anything else you would like to add, we can, you know, end. No, well, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to see students at Emerson and in publishing programs thinking about digital publishing and um, pursuing it so seriously. So I'm happy to support that whenever I can. Thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> Grand. Well, uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. And have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This has been the Pubcast. 
Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.thepubcast.org. Thank you.